thing tonight. Amen. That's wonderful. You know, if we can come making him our everything, making him our focus, laying aside everything. And we spoke last time on the power of one mind and getting in one mind and one accord. And we'll kind of continue that a little bit. You know, I was thinking about it even at, at, the, at the meetings this weekend there in Ohio. How you get that many people together and they come with one purpose and with one mind. And it's about, it's about God and it's about getting closer and it's about getting more. And you see what takes place. When people get in that unity of mind and when they come thinking, God, you're my everything. God, you're my savior. God, you're my healer. God, I just need more of you. And in those moments and in those times, there's a breakthrough. And what we have to recognize within each and every one of us, even as individuals, is that we have a lot to do with whether or not there's a breakthrough in a service. You have a lot to do with what happens to other people in a service. So we can't come to a church service and be selfish. I don't feel good. I'm not in a good mood. I'm working through something. I'm upset. I don't care. People around you need you to enter in. People around you need you to create an atmosphere. There's people whose souls are hanging in the balance and you're creating an ice cube right there on your pew and not allowing the spirit to break out in that spot and I hate to say it, but there will be accountability for it because there's so only so many opportunities we get. Let's give him our everything tonight. Let's give him our all tonight. Let's just push through any feeling of tiredness, any weariness. Let's remember why we're here. Amen. Before we go to the word, I would just like to just briefly just say um, how proud that that. I was of our young people um, this weekend and, and even in, in, in the travel, the way they act and conduct themselves on the bus, the way they conduct themselves in truck stops and restaurants along the way, the way they conduct themselves at camp, that they do evening light tabernacle very, very proud. And I think we should give them a hand this evening. They are an awesome group. They are an awesome group, but that don't happen by accident. Awesome parents and awesome church family that they're part of. We thank each and every one of you. And it was a wonderful camp. I'd also like to tell you, I mean, all the ministry was great, but just to, to brag on our own, Brother Timothy was just absolutely over the top this weekend, above and beyond. The Lord just came down and blessed, and he, he did us proud. It was just an awesome thing to be a part of. And a little bit weary, but we're glad to be back. We're excited to be here. So that being said, let's, let's pray before we go to the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, with all our hearts, we just want to say thank you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for each soul gathered here, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for what you did this weekend at the youth camp, Lord. The, the lives that were touched, the lives that were changed forever. Lord, even getting texts today, Lord, from Brother Tom there in Ohio talking about his 10-year-old granddaughter getting the Holy Ghost. And, Lord, my own daughter receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the different ones, Lord, that traveled up and that God did things, Lord, tremendous things. And, Lord, we will forever be grateful. But tonight we say, Lord, we know you're an I am God and we need you to speak to us tonight. 
Lord, may the things that started this weekend, may those fires, Lord, just be built up and get stronger, Lord, and fed, Lord, till they're just roaring and blazing in the lives of, of the young people, Lord. But, Lord, that don't excuse us. May the fires in the lives of us, Lord, each and every adult, the old, the young alike, may they be roaring, Lord, with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, Father, giving you our everything and every opportunity. Lord, come and speak now. Lord, take control of this service, I pray, Lord, that all things will be said and done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to look into the book of Psalms. Psalms 133 and 1. Psalms 133 and 1. We're going to continue a little bit on the kind of along the same lines that we spoke on last time. We were speaking on the power of one mind and we were talking about one mind and one accord. Tonight I want to speak on fighting for unity. Fighting for unity. And it may be a little bit of a, of a Sunday school lesson type. Tonight I had other things that I thought I was going to study out and minister, but. You know, the Lord's just really been specifically dealing with our church in a certain way these last few services. And, and the one that Brother Joe preached right before we left was just incredible on, on forgiveness. And that was an amazing service. And we spoke about one mind and one accord. And now fighting for unity. The Lord just wanted me to go down this, this line tonight. So we're going to obey him. It says, behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. You may have your seats. We just pray that the Lord will add his blessings. To the reading of the word. You know, like we said last time, we were, we were preaching on, on, on the power of one mind. And as, and as we focused in on one mind and one accord. And, and we're going to continue, like I said today, and, and look at, at, at fighting for unity. Fighting for unity. We, we all know that, that unity is not something that has ever really come easy for man ever since the fall. It's not easy to be in perfect unity even with those that you love the dearest and love the most and people that you would give your life for. Sometimes you can't hardly dwell in unity because we all have different natures. We all have different things that make us tick, different things that get on our nerves, different things that make us happy. And we're all different people, different individuals. And so unity isn't really something that comes easy. It is something that we have to fight for. Um, and... and our history of humanity has been constant division, constant fighting, constant quarreling. And that's why down through history, when you see times of unity, it tends to be something that catches your eye when you study history. It tends to be moments in history that people unite for a common cause. Those moments really tend to stand out. And it's usually in these times in history where great things are accomplished. When people come together in unity, that's during the time that you'll see um, great innovation or you'll see great advancements or, or times of unity bring liberation or even the births of nations because people were able to lay aside their differences long enough to unite together and fight for a common goal. Right? But it only takes a very short time, it seems, after that goal is reached 
And suddenly the commonality begins to wear off and suddenly the strength that came from that begins to deteriorate. And once again, people are right back to bickering and fighting and their disagreements and things of that nature. You know, just to give you a couple examples of this, I was looking through at different empires and different things and and I got to looking at Rome and how they united the world under one great empire. And at that time, probably the greatest empire that had ever been. And it was because they all had the attitude that this is for the glory of Rome. There was no one in it for the glory of themselves. There was no one in it to build their own empire. Everything they did was for the glory of Rome. And because of this, suddenly education spread to the world. There were architectural and and engineering marvels. Road systems were built that were so intricate, they're better than the roads that are currently in Shreveport still to this day. And I don't, okay, that really wasn't a compliment, was it? (laughs) But they built road systems so intricate that even today it's a well-known saying that all roads lead to Rome. It's something people said. There were codes of law that served as the foundation for modern law. Literature, literature spread like wildfire. The very calendar we use and things like that were developed during this time. Medicine and, and, and medical advancements developed in this time. But over time, it became less and less about Rome and more and more about individuals. More and more about power, about who would be in charge and who would get the credit for this victory and, and which politician was, was going to be the most powerful and which general was going to be the greatest and who would carry the most influence. And even though Rome was eventually invaded by Germanic tribes, the, most historians will agree that the fall of Rome was due to division amongst themselves. The division that crept in and became about individuals instead of about the greater good of the empire. We can look at our own nation, a nation of colonists, a nation of farmers, poor people without much weapons, just a little malicious. But united against the greatest nation in the world, they birthed a new nation. They, they got united at this idea of liberty and this idea of freedom and they stood together and they laid aside their differences and they fought in unity and they won one of the most astounding victories in history. But you only have to go a couple generations later and there's a civil war ripping the very nation apart that they fought in unity to buy. But suddenly just a couple generations later there's a civil war and, and the nation's being torn apart. You know, there's been other times down through history just in my life that I can remember where unity has brought what we would call maybe bounces in patriotism. I remember being 10 or 11 years old, 1991, when Desert Storm took place. And and all of a sudden, everybody was proud to be an American again. and, And they were united against a common enemy. You know, everybody had signs in the yard, God bless our troops, you know, and things like that. And then that fades away. And then 9-11 happens, and there for a short period of time, we had a common enemy again. And suddenly, everybody was proud to be American again, and yet then that fades away. And there was a time where a message came and struck this earth, and we were all just proud to be called out. Proud to be in the message. Proud to know that God sent a prophet. Proud to know that we were called. Proud to know that we were chosen. But over time, what has happened? 
some of that has all slipped away and it's about well my church says this and my church says that and I don't see it like this and I don't see it like that listen I think unity is something worth fighting for I think we should still be proud we should still put our arms around one another we should still love our brother and sister thank God you've heard the call thank God you've been called out thank God there's a rapture for you thank God there's a rapture for me and let our unity never fade like like those natural things do Amen. United for a time period. We were united in our commonality and not divided by our differences. Oh, think about this right here. United in our commonality and not divided by our differences. Even like Tabernacle, that's what I long to see. And I believe that that's exactly what God longs to see. It's where we're united by what we have in common and not torn apart by our differences. United against a common enemy. Let me remind you, you are not my enemy. I am not yours. Your wife is not yours. Your kids, nobody else is your enemy. Your enemy is the devil. My enemy is the devil. And if we will unite in the commonality of that and focus our, 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 our warfare against him and quit fighting one against the other, we will be an invincible army. If we'll focus that when we become united against one enemy, united under the blood, united under this message, an invincible army marching to onward Christian soldier. If nations and people can do mighty powerful things in the natural when they become united. What about the bride of Jesus Christ in the spiritual when we become united? I tell you, we would do more than build roads and science and education, but the kingdoms of hell would be torn down. Prison bars would come open. There would be healings and deliverances. There would be refillings of the Holy Ghost. If we would just unite one against the other, I'm telling you, the rapture would get here a lot quicker. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God, and he's waiting on us to get in the place because the scripture says that the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride hath made herself ready. We got to quit fighting against each other and shooting against each other and realize we're in this together. I need you. You need me. And let's love one another through our differences and go to war with the devil. Amen. What might we do? My, I believe we would see the sick healed every service. Because there's power in unity. There's strength in unity. There's victory in unity. When we all get in one accord, when, when we all get united for the same goal and against the same entity, en- enemy, I believe that heaven's open and hell shakes. Hey, man, I believe that with all my heart, God comes down and chains begin to fall off. Lives are changed and great advancements happen. Great advancements happen when the church comes in unity and one mind and one accord. Not just things of temporary, not just natural, but eternal advancements in the lives of men and women and in the lives of our children. So as we say all this and we recognize the power of unity, guess what the devil hates? Unity. He hates unity. And he's always coming to try to break apart our unity with jealousy, with envy, with strife. Listen, sometimes it ain't none of that. Sometimes it's just with, 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 with personality differences. Listen, we've covered this before. We're going to cover it again. It's okay if you don't like people. It's not okay if you allow that to hinder spiritual things. 
We're not all going to hang out. I don't know why we're here again, but we're going to talk about it. This is just annoying me. I'm going to go ahead and move it. I just noticed it. We're not all going to be best buddies. We're not all going to think every single person in here is the awesomest person because that wouldn't work. Mathematically, that's not possible. But we can lay aside our differences. That's what I get out of the book of Acts. When you see there are some fusses and you see some quarrels and you see some disagreements, that's not what I focus on. I say, isn't it awesome that they were so different, had such different ideas, and yet for the, for the gospel's sake, for the cause of Christ, for the cause of the Holy Ghost breaking out in people's lives, for the cause of salvation, they were willing to lay those things aside and be mature enough to walk on and march on and fight together in unity against the enemy. And not make one another their enemies. He tries to tear up unity with backbiting. With the tongue. We're not going to have time to get into it today. But man, as I, stu- I studied a lot of James 3 this week. And it's all about the tongue. And it says some pretty harsh things. About the tongue and how evil it is and how no man can tame it and how it's hell's fire and all kind of things. Listen, we got to be careful what we say. If there's that much power in the tongue, which the word says there in, why not, what says there is, why not use it for good? Why not use it to speak life and speak victory and speak healing and speak deliverance? Listen, instead of speaking, well, that person this and that person that and that person this. How about we speak, Lord, bless them. Lord, pour it out in their lives. Lord, help me, Lord, to love them the way you love them. Help me to look at that brother the way you look at that brother. Lord, I speak life in this situation. Satan hates unity. Think about the beauty and the unity of heaven. And all of its perfection. Perfect harmony. It was absolutely perfect. And in that setting. In that harmony. And in that perfect unity. Satan starts a campaign. Think about it. It it couldn't have got any better. It's not like God could have made it better. And made Satan happy. Some folks just ain't going to be happy. No matter what. That's why, that's why I tell my wife sometimes when, when we're looking at reviews, like about certain hotels, and it's negative, negative, negative. And I'm like, look, listen, you got to understand. Certain people are review people, and they're generally not happy people. Now, if I go there and it's a terrible hotel, that's on me. I should have listened to the negative people. <laughs> I should have listened. But I'm not typically a review guy. Because some people you just can't make happy. But Satan starts a campaign and he starts setting up sides. He starts setting up sides. See, Satan loves for there to be sides. Because when there's sides, there cannot be unity. When there's sides, there is, when there's unity, there isn't sides. It's unity. So Satan loves for there to be sides. He loves for this one to be against that one. He loves for there to be bitterness and he loves for there to be hatred. If you don't think that's the case, look at the world we live in. Look around at the world we live in. You know, he took Jesus up on the mountain. He offered him the kingdoms of the world. And the reason he could do this, he couldn't offer them to him unless they belonged to him. They were his. 
So look at the nature of the kingdom that he rules. Constant fighting. Constant choosing sides. This cause against that cause. This issue against that issue. Constant threats. Constant bickering. You know, if Jesus ruled over the kingdoms of this earth, we could stack all the weapons right now and never have to worry about it ever again. You'd never have to lock your door. You'd never have anxiety. You'd never have fear because he's the prince of peace. And there would be peace upon the earth. You would never have a worry. But Satan rules right now. And the world we live in is his Eden. And it's obvious that it's his because he is the author. He's the author of death. He is the author of division. Sides. How did he manage to make sides in heaven? Think about it. You think he can't find fault in this church? You think he can't find fault in the life of your brother and then put those thoughts in your head? You think he can't find fault with the leadership? He found enough fault in God that he turned one third of the angels against him. No, notice it was an actual fault because he's blameless. But it was in the way that it was presented to the angels. That's why we have to guard our ears. That's why we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our tongues. We have to guard our attitudes. And we must have grace for our brothers and sisters. Because what he's going to do is he's going to come in and he's going to magnify their faults in your eyes. He's going to magnify my faults in your eyes. And if, I already, if you already got a funny feeling towards me, then that fault all of a sudden is going to be some huge thing that others may never notice. But he's going to make sure you notice. He's going to make sure it gets on your nerves. He's going to make sure it bothers you. He's going to magnify that person's flaws. He's going to twist their words in your mind. And if we allow ourselves to dwell there, to where all we see is their fault and we don't have grace and we don't have mercy and we don't see them the way Jesus sees them. And we allow ourselves to dwell there and we dwell on it. Then what happens? It begins to eat at us. It begins to eat at us and it begins to canker. And then we lend our mind to it and eventually we lend our tongue to the accuser of the brethren. And we begin to speak the words that he would speak if he was standing here in a body. Think about it. Who am I to speak words of condemnation over one purchased by the blood of Christ? Grace and mercy for our brothers and sisters. And we start using that tongue to tear down. And we start using that tongue to create sides. Do we realize... Look, and look, trust me, then once again, I'm in the same boat I was in last time to where I'm preaching to myself. Because as I was going through this and looking at these things, I'm like, Lord, I've been guilty. I've been guilty. There's a difference in having a conversation about someone. Listen, if you, if, you know, try to go a whole day without somebody's name coming out of your mouth. And that and saying things in a negative slant, in a negative tone. And saying things in a way that people see your side. Do we realize how childish it is? Did you hear? It's like, it's like you're back on the elementary playground by the monkey bars. Did, did you hear? 
Well, no, 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 that's not what happened. See, I heard it straight from them. And what really happened was, well, what they said, well, whose side are you on? Whose side are you? Listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now whose side I'm on. I'm taking sides with the word. I'm taking sides with Jesus. Well, you don't understand who got offended and who got upset. You know, listen, I'll tell you what, Jesus will fix it. Well, you don't understand how mad he is about this and how mad, listen, Jesus will fix it. Listen, we're trying to overcomplicate things. And what I'm telling you is just start putting things in the hand of Jesus. Quit trying to fix everybody's problems. Quit getting caught up in everybody's issues. And just put it in the hands of Jesus. And say, Jesus, you fix me. You fix me. I know you can fix them. And maybe I need a little bit more fixing myself. I'm just going to put it right here in your hands. We don't have to get it all figured out. We don't have to come to an agreement on the situation. We don't have to come to, we don't have to, we don't have to get to a point where like, okay, well, I see it your way. Okay. We don't ever got to get to that. What we got to do is let it go. Put it in the hands of Jesus and put our arms around one another and love one another and have unity regardless of where we stand. We have to let it go and focus. That's the problem is we get focused on individuality instead of focus on our common goal and our, and becoming united in our purpose. Listen, unity isn't about all of us being the same. That's not unity. Unity is having the same goals, the same purpose, under the same headship of the same word. It's about laying aside the bickering and the rumors and the he said and the she said. It's about forgiveness and letting go and focusing on our common purpose. What is our common purpose? Our common purpose is we're going to win. We're going to rapture. We're going to make it out of here. Despite this little thing that you're going through this week, I promise you on rapture day, it will matter nothing. It will matter none. You won't care who said what to who and who thought this and who thought that. You're going to say, I made it. I won. This was my goal. This was my purpose. This This is what it was all about. Our goal is to have a body change. Brother Branham says, so why? Just let them go ahead and let's love one another. Don't fight one another. He says, as long as the devil's got you fighting one another, he don't have to fight at all. He will sit back and has a picnic watching you fight one another and laugh at you. Professing to have the Holy Ghost and fighting one another. Now, I don't want to read too much into it. I'm going to let Brother Brown say what Brother Brown said. But he makes it sound like that you're not going to have the Holy Ghost and be fighting one another. Laughing at you, professing to have the Holy Ghost and fighting one another. Paul looks at this very thing going on and he says, you're all a bunch of children. We'll put it in our terms. He says, you're all a bunch of children. I'll read it the way he said it. First Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3.1 And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal Even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk. And not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. In other words you had not got any better. This ain't past tense. 
you were a baby and you're still a baby. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? He says, I can't even speak to you like spiritual people. But carnal people who worry too much after fleshly things, too worried about who is right and who did what to who. He says, I have to speak to you like babies. I can't even give you meat because you can't handle it. Well, bless God, I'm a mature Christian. I've been serving God 25 years. Time ain't got nothing to do with it. It's like I've heard boys say, I can't wait till I turn 18. I'll be a man. I'll be, man, I know a lot of 30-something-year-old folks that ain't men. It ain't got nothing to do with time or how long. Well, I'm mature. Well, that means you have progressed. That means you have grown. That means you have grown up in the faith and you're not acting like a little child anymore. Have you grown up? Are you able to dwell in unity? Are you able to dwell in unity or does every little thing that pops up somehow stumble you and trip you up? Think about it here. I'm I'm just being real with this. Do you get caught up in every debate and every argument somehow? You know, there's some people that they just absolutely love drama. And my favorite thing that they say is, drama just seems to find me. (laughs) Drama ain't never found nobody. You're a magnet for it because your spirit feeds on it and you like it. Because there's some people, and you can name them, they can go their whole life and never even know drama's going on. Because they choose not to be in it. You are in drama because you love it. Sorry, that's just the truth, whether you like it or not. Drama just finds me. No. You got a flashlight and you're hunting it. Them's just Look, I was too many years in a public school to know. Is always the same people. It didn't matter whose problem it was. Somehow you end up in it. And it ain't because you a good listener. It just ain't. Notice Paul calls them babies. And then he says why they're spiritual babies. Because among you there is envying and strife and divisions. There is a direct correlation between unity and maturity in Christ. You will never find a church torn apart by strife and envies and jealousies all the time. Listen, let's not act like things don't come. I don't care what church. I don't care who you are. Things come, okay? But if it's a constant thing, then that's not a mature church. If you're constantly living in drama, constantly in backbiting, constantly, you're not a mature person. You're just not, there isn't a maturity there, but unity and maturity go hand in hand. Listen, it's important that we get to a place that we recognize that maturity is important. He's not coming back for a little childlike bride. 
He's not coming back for a bride that's fussing and fighting and arguing and bickering and caught up and all this. He's coming back for a mature, elect lady. He's coming back for one who has made herself ready, who has stepped away from all the immaturity and all the baby stuff and all the backbiting and all the strife, who has stepped away from that and said, I no longer want a part of that. I want to dwell in unity with my brothers. I want to dwell in unity with my sisters. And I'm going to mature into the place that I'm ready to be in that bride. He doesn't want a little girl to marry. There's a unity in this bride that can't be found in the world. Because she's not of this world. She's of the kingdom of the prince of peace. And I'm going to tell you right now, listen to me. Unity is worth fighting for. Unity is worth fighting for. Listen, we have something special here. I know there's a lot of wonderful churches. There's a lot of wonderful people. But this is where I'm at. So this is who I'm talking to. We have something very special here. Lovely people, beautiful people who love the Lord and who love one another. And like I said, I've traveled all over, been in a lot of great congregations with with great people. And yet I've still never found one, in my opinion, that is as closely knit together as this congregation. I love the way we support one another. I love the way we support each other in sickness and in trials. I love the way we come together for, for young people and for their, their graduations and for, for their weddings. and for, uh, We support our young people. I love that. I love the way you fellowship. I love the way you worship. I love the way you laugh together. I love the way you cry together. There is a special unity here. But don't think for a minute that the devil is going to allow it to go unchecked without coming and bringing an attack against it and trying to tear it down and tear you apart. And I say, when you see it, come in. Be willing to stand up and fight against it and say, we're going to have unity. We're going to have maturity. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to fight for each other. We're not going to fall into those spiritual baby conditions where there's envying and strife and division unity is something worth fighting for because unity brings victory unity brings the Holy Spirit we dealt with that last time in one mind and one accord that's what caused him to come down it's worth holding on to because it pleases God listen again To the word of God as he describes the importance of unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. He really cares this much about us getting along and caring and loving and fighting for one another. That ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life. Forevermore. Now listen to what Brother Branham takes and does with this. He says, and to think that you can come apart and gather like this. Whereas the psalmist says, behold how sweet and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing oil that was on Aaron's beard that ran to the hems of his garment. Which that anointing oil, which you know what the anointing oil done. It preserved him to go into the presence of God. Unity. Allows us to go into the presence of God. See, he had to be anointed with that oil before he went into the presence of God. And when brethren can dwell together in unity, it is likened unto that oil. When we enter into the presence of the Lord with that anointing of brethren together in unity, oil represents 
the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, No, I believe it was said once in the Bible. This is another quote. How sweet that brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil that was on Aaron's beard that run to the hems of his skirt. I think there is nothing any more precious than to see a unified people in the spirit of the Lord. To be unity, all agreeing. You know, I think the 10 days that they were waiting for the original first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How that must have been a unifying time. Of the people all in one heart and one accord in every time. Now here we go. Why is it worth fighting for? Every time that man gets together like that since then. The Holy Spirit always meets with them. Don't let the enemy get us separated. Because it's very important that the Holy Spirit meet with us. Our very lives depend on it. We must have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must have him in our services. We must have him in our home. Hey, we can apply what we're talking about to the home. There needs to be unity in the home. You want the Holy Spirit to meet? It needs to be in proper order. Laid out the way the scripture lays a home out to be. But we must have the Holy Spirit meeting with us. Don't let the devil tear us apart. Don't let him make us focus on our differences. Don't let division and strife begin to come amongst us. Because instead of that coming amongst us, I want the Holy Spirit to come amongst us. That is the desire of my heart. Like I said, our lives depend on it. Our homes depend on it. Listen, who gets hurt the most when there's division and strife and backbiting in a church? Listen, the old heads ain't going nowhere. Sorry, old heads. Okay, I'll join in with you. I'll be an old head. It hurts the youth. It hurts the young people. The very lives of our young people depend upon the unity of the church that would allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change their lives and fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The lives of your children are depending on it. Are you saying that there's not going to be any, any, anything come up, any disagreements come up in the church? You know better than that. There'll probably be one by the time we all leave this parking lot tonight. Humanity. What I'm saying is let's lay those things aside and move in the unity of the spirit. Lay that thing aside and move in the unity of purpose. Lay that thing aside and move in the unity of the faith. And allow that unity to completely dictate it. Dictate how we act, how we talk, how we think of one another. And then when we get to that place where we're laying things aside and we're moving and operating in unity. Then we will have outpourings in these services that we can't hardly contain. Then you will have lives changed. Then you will have healings. Then you will have people set free. Then you will have people so full of the Holy Ghost that they get to the place, like Brother Branham said, that the devil don't even know what to do with them. Lord, let that be me. Let me get so full of the Spirit, so full of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that he don't know what to do with me. And not just on church days, but on Mondays and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Let me dwell in unity with my brothers and sisters that I might be filled to overflow. You know, I coached football for 15 years, and each team usually had 40 or 50 players on it. All those kids from different races, different homes, different ideas, 
different socioeconomic backgrounds. Some people on the team were friends. Some didn't like each other. Some didn't have many friends. Some were super popular. Sounds like any crowd of people you get together. But none of that ever mattered when we stepped on the field. Because we were a team. Because at that point we had one goal. We didn't care where you were from, what street you lived on, how much money you made. We cared about you doing your part to bring victory. Because we had a goal. We had worked too hard to lose. We had cooked too many days in 100 degree weather in the blistering sun preparing for this moment to worry about any of the things that made us different. Think about it for a minute. And my big thing was I really loved away games. I loved games that were at the other team's field. Because I would always tell my players in the huddle, I said, there is absolutely nothing better than coming on their field and taking it from them. There's nothing I like better than to come to the place that they call home, that they're comfortable in, and absolutely ripping victory from them right there. And I'll tell you, Laodicea don't worry me none. Listen, I ain't worried about it none because it may be his Eden. It may be his home field. It may be where he's comfortable. But I'm telling you, we're going to win. We may be the away team. This ain't our home field. But we're coming to win. We're coming to be victorious. We're going to take our children and go. We're going to take our healing and go. We're going to take our body change and go. We're going to take our rapture and go. I don't care where we fight. We'll fight him on land. We'll fight him on sea. We'll fight him in the air. We'll fight him in Laodicea. But we're going to get a victory and we're going to go. And we're going to do it together. We're going to come together and I'm going to fight for you. And you're going to fight for me. And we're going to lay aside the things that divide us and we're going to win. Hallelujah, we're going to win. That's what it's all about. We're going to win. We're going to go to the enemy's camp. His home field. We're going to take back our joy. We're going to take back our peace. We're going to take back our worship. We're going to take our rapture, and there ain't nothing he can do about it. We're going to take it all, and we're going to go, because I say we've come way too far to turn back. We've been working and practicing in the fires of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, we're gold that's been tried in the fire, and we ain't worried about the heat of Laodicea. We were made for this. We were predestined for this. This is the moment we've been living for. This is the moment we've been working for. This is what he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. This is what it's all about. And somebody's going to rise to the occasion. I ain't scared of the moment. The moment ain't too big for me. This is what this I was made for is this moment. Predestined not to fall. That's who you are. Oh, if we could ever get that in our head. Hey, look, as a coach, one of the biggest things I had to do was make them believe they were going to win. Make them believe they were the better team. Because when you believe you're the better team, you'll play like the better team. And when you realize you're the one going to win, you're the one going to rapture, you'll live like somebody is going to rapture. You'll live like an overcomer. You'll live with the devil under your feet. You'll live with a worship coming out of your life. You will live like one who knows I'm going to win and there's nothing he can do to stop me. What's there to be depressed about? What's there to be down about? Today the prison doors are open. You're the winner. Walk out. Out, claim it, take it, and walk and live and talk in unity, in victory. 
with the purpose laid before you that we've come too far to let pettiness and strife derail us. Moving on to Ephesians 4.1. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He identifies this unity here as the unity of the Spirit. And he tells us that we're going to have to endeavor to keep it. Endeavor here means to be diligent, to exert oneself, to do your utmost. Which tells me it's going to be attacked. There's going to be someone trying to take that unity away from us. He's going to come against it. There's going to be occasion. Now, here's the kind of fighting we got to do, because think about it. There's going to be occasion where you get done wrong and you want to lash out. I'm sorry, but that is not endeavoring to keep the unity. That's the moment where you have to endeavor. But they did me wrong. I know. Now you have to endeavor. Keep the unity. There's moments where you're going to want your side of the story told. But you've got to endeavor to keep the unity. The minute you start telling your side, they're sides. Endeavor to keep the unity. Because somebody's going to do you wrong. I promise. People are going to do you wrong. And he says here to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice what unity does. It creates a bond of peace. And a bond here talks about something that's not easily broken. Something that can't just be swept away or torn away or ripped apart. Not easily destroyed. It's bonded together. Working together as a unit. The root word of unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you go further down in the chapter, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. That alone will preach, but that's not where we're at tonight. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now notice this. Back in Corinthians, what did he do? He tied unity with maturity. Follow along in this. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Right back to that. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. A couple things here. Once again, we already saw, already pointed out there about the maturity. And when, when we come to unity, it says, then we henceforth be no more children. In other words, what's happened is we have matured enough 
that we can lay down what we think is best. You're no longer a child. It's about unity. But a child likes to fuss if he don't get his toy. A child likes to kick and scream if he get. A child don't like what you cook for supper. They throw a little fit. That's the actions of a child because they're worried about what they want. But what he's saying here is you've matured to a point of unity to where you've laid down your thinking. You've matured enough to let go of your ideas and the way that you think it should be. And our focus isn't selfish anymore. But now our focus is the faith, the cause, the reason, the goal. Notice just like when he, in the book of Jude when he's telling you to contend here, he, he, he references it as the faith. It's the unity of the faith. So it's very specific. What I'm preaching to you tonight, this isn't some ecumenical message about hippie love and how we got to, you know, be in unity with everybody and, and be in unity with everybody and everything. This is a very specific unity. It's a unity among brethren in the faith. Unity amongst those fighting the same fight and standing for the same faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. This isn't about agreeing with everyone. It's about not fighting against those who are on your side. There's plenty others. And we shouldn't be fighting with anybody. I'm just saying though. There's plenty of people to disagree with and strive with. and what? Why do it with the ones that fighting with you why do it against the ones that's on your side and that's the unity we're talking about here we're not to be in unity with everyone and everything brother Branham tells us he says it's the same thing today separating separated found them they were not in unity they couldn't have no unity can night have unity with day can a believer have unity with an with an infidel can a man who believes in all the word of God pay attention to this have unity with them who just believes part of the word of God. God wants separators. So when we're talking about unity, it's not unity with everyone and everything. It's unity with the brethren and the sisters of the faith. Those who are striving and fighting for the same thing. We're not to sacrifice truth and standards for the sake of unity. Let that sink in. We're not sacrificing truth. We're not sacrificing standards for the sake of getting along. That is an ecumenical spirit. Brother Branham says, and that's exactly the way old mother Jezebel has done. The Protestant church has cropped in. And now they're compromising on a few little doctrines they said they have so they can have unity over the world. And the first place the church got her locks bobbed off was at Nicaea. And she's going to bob them again since she's been here. That's her secret is the word. Notice Brother Branham's talking about the word is our secret. And what he's doing, he's tying this back into Samson. And he's talking about how he was willing to give up his secret. But in so doing, his power was stripped away from him. So tying this back in with the church and with Samson. Listen, we're not giving up our secret. This ain't about giving up on the word. The, the, the Lord went to great and extreme measures in this day to bring about the promise of restoration. To make sure the word was completely restored. And how dare us back off even a little for the sake of fellowship. I believe in fellowship and I believe in fellowship and even with those who don't see it exactly the way you do. But that don't mean you back off your standards and back off the revealed word of the hour in order to do so. 
We're not giving up our secret. We're not giving up the word. We're not backing off what the Lord has done in this day. This isn't about that. This is about letting go of personal opinions. Letting go of those little odd feelings that we have towards certain people. Putting our arms around our brother and repenting because of the hurt that we caused. It's not easy. And then giving forgiveness to those who have hurt us. It's about being able to fellowship even if we don't see eye to eye. Moving beyond wounds of the past. Staying the course. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Staying in unity for the sake of the moving of the spirit. Staying in unity so that God can have his way in our services. Listen, we may be different. We may have different ideas. We may all come from different backgrounds. But if we're holding the standard of the gospel... And if you're holding the standard of the new birth and we're both standing there fighting and striving for the rapture, then let's lay aside our differences and work together in unity for the common good, for the common cause that God can move in evening light tabernacle the way that he wants to move to where the brakes are off. To where there's no spiritual fire extinguishers, to where there's no little funny feeling come from a certain section going to another section. Listen, you don't think it matters. I was listening to Brother Brown today and he says there's one person. I don't know how big the crowd was. He said, but there's one person in here unbelieving. He said, I've discerned it. And it's making it so very hard. One person. And it's making it so very. He said, brother, won't you just help us? He said, you'd be better to support and quit hindering. Unity matters. Unity matters. He says, the Holy Ghost will follow God's word to the letter. And a preacher behind the pulpit that ain't got grace enough to preach it. I doubt he's got it. It's another one for another day. He said, that's just exactly. Well, that's what the Holy Ghost is for. It's to give unction to the preacher. It's to give holiness to the group. It's to set the church in order. It's to bring a unity of spirit. It's to unite us together with power. It's to unite us together with love. Brotherly love. Now, I want to try to move quickly here as we're running out of time. Because what we know is, Brother Branham deals with this extensively. And I'm going to skip some of the quotes But that the early church was united in spirit. It was united in power. And it was united in brotherly love. And then what happened. And we know this if you've read the church age book. And the scriptures. That the palmer worm. And then the locust. And the canker worm. And the caterpillar. It began to destroy that early church. And it began to rob and steal from them the victory. That the early church had. And one of the things that they lost. Was unity. Brother Branham says, now the next great thing that come up was the locust. And he was the one who was to destroy the unity of the believers. In the Bible, there were, in Pentecost, there was a unity. And these people were with one heart and with one accord. And Paul said, I believe in Romans, the seventh chapter, that there was nothing could separate us from of the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. There was nothing. He said, we've let the old palmer worm come along with his stinger. And break down brotherhood. Break down unity amongst us. Paul said in the Bible that he wanted us to all speak the same thing. He wanted us to be in unity. 
That early church fought together. They stood together. They died together. And because they had that unity, the power of God moved amongst them. You see time after time, God pouring his spirits out, the gifts operating. They was in a brotherhood. Nothing, he says, nothing could separate them. But then that locust came and it began to take away the unity. And then what happened was, is a system of man with a forced unity was put in its place. And it wasn't a unity of the spirit, but it was a unity led by man. It was a man-made unity. You have to join this church or else. You have to be baptized this way or else. And what it did was it broke up the brotherhood into different organizations. And it broke up the unity and it was a spirit of denomination which separates. And Brother Branham says, watch when it comes to the showdown at the end time. Look at the weakness of it now. 900 and something different organizations. One pulling away and one the other. There is no unity among them. And they're trying to bring unity. But here's the key. Not backed by the word of God. God's original plan. They are taking it in by politics and by organization. And the devil brings a reason. And he's like, well, surely if we're all you, don't God want unity? Don't God want us all together? And surely if we're all together, then, then God's in it. So maybe we should back off preaching some of those things so harshly. Maybe we should back off preaching some of those things that offend a little bit. And maybe we should do it and just say it in a nicer way, you know, for the sake of unity and for the sake of brotherhood. That's true. God does want unity. But he wants unity under his word. He wants unity under the headship of his Holy Spirit. He don't want worship to some denominational church. He wants worship unto himself. And we are united through the word. And we are united by the word. And we are united with everyone that stands for the fullness of that word. That is where our unity lies. We are united today that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are united today that he still heals. We are united today that he still fills with the Holy Ghost. We are united today that this message is the truth. There is unity in that. Unite underneath this glorious message. If you have nothing else in common but this message, it ought to be enough for us to unite under and fellowship under and live in unity under. If that's all we have in common. And that's what we got to get our focus back on tonight. Because the word was restored in this day to prepare a bride to take a rapture. And the word called my name. And the word called your name. And because of that, we should have unity in the faith. Listen, we will never achieve unity of opinion. We will never achieve unity of the thermostat in the sanctuary. It's not going to happen. We'll never achieve unity of how it should sound. We'll never achieve unity of, of who I think should be in charge and who should be running this and who should be running that. And guess what? That's okay. We don't have to be in unity in that. As long as we don't allow those things to become our focus and begin to worm its way in and tear us apart over things that do not matter. What we have to be in unity is, is our common goal. We're going to win. We're going to rapture. I'm going to be there in my offspring with me. I'm not leaving a hoof behind. I'm not leaving a promise unclaimed. I'm walking underneath this message and it's going to take me all the way. And that's what we have to be united underneath it. Stay united in the faith. Stay united in the spirit. That was part of the restoration of the bride tree. 
That was part of it because that was part that had been stole. And when he sends Malachi 4, Brother Branham actually says it here. I believe I have the quote. He makes this statement. I won't read the whole thing. He says, if you believe that I've told you the truth and the truth is in the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God and he sent me, just his servant, to help bring the church of the living God together in unity. He sent Malachi 4 to bring a unity to the church. I wonder if he looked at the church right now. If he would say, oh, I was successful in that. I hope. But are we letting too many things hinder? Too many things that don't matter? Too many things come in that would rob away our unity and steal away. Listen, I say, let's fight for it. I say, let's contend for it. Make it a matter of importance that that, the devil is not going to come in and rob this church of its unity. The first church had unity and the results speak for themselves. I want first church unity with first church results. I want first church unity with licks of fire coming down on each and every one of us. I want first church unity with me being able to tell people silver and gold have I none. But that which I have I give you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. I want first church unity where we can lay our hands on someone and say receive the Holy Ghost. And the place will be shaken and the walls will be shaken. I want that kind of unity. And in that unity comes power. In the unity. And what about the unity of expectations? What about that? What about the unity of expectation? And we are closing. But do you think that those amazing meetings that we just had this weekend just happened by accident? Do you think there's a re- What is the reason that they're different from any other night? By the way, you've been a lovely audience, so I'm not hitting you over the head with this. You've been awesome. I'm just talking. What's different between that and a Wednesday night? The unity of expectation. Because I would bet there's a... I don't bet, sorry. Um, I would venture to say, per adventure, I would venture to say that not many of you gave too much thought to today's service until today. I don't know. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm being, I've been there. How many of you prayed for Wednesday night service on Monday? But guess what happens at meetings like this went on? And even the meetings we'll have in October. We'll start thinking about about three weeks ahead of time. We'll take vacation time for it. We'll set time aside. We'll think about the ministries. We'll pray for the ministry. We'll pray for the services. We'll have a special need on our heart. And we'll think this is going. I need this God. I'm coming expecting this. And you know what Brother Branham even says? There's a reason that the last night of the meeting has greater results. is because people have greater expectation because they're in greater desperation because they know it's their last chance. What if we came on a Wednesday night going, this could be my last chance. This could be my last opportunity. This is where I got to get it. What if we came with that expectation? Oh, I believe hell would shake tonight. I believe the heavens would open tonight. I believe you would pour it out tonight just like you did all weekend. Because the people came expecting. There was a unity of expectation. Do we think it's just an accident that preachers come out during a meeting and preach the best services ever? No, it's the unity of expectation pulling it out of them. And it pulls them to that level and it goes to another place. It's the round that we can walk in every service. Oh, somebody didn't think so. I say, why not? Why not? What hinders? It's a day on a calendar. Unity of expectation brings results. 
They went about in the book of Acts expecting for miracles to happen. Expecting for God to show up. Expecting for the Holy Ghost to fall. And they go to places like Ohio and Dry Creek and here in October expecting that. Let's start expecting it on Wednesday and on Sunday and come and go and God, I'm here united. My expectations are right. I need you tonight. I need you to touch my life. I need a healing. You heal on Wednesdays. I need a deliverance. You deliver on Wednesdays. I need you to pour it out in my family tonight and you pour it out on Wednesdays. Let the unity of expectations rise to the level that it pulls him out of the heavens right down into the midst of the congregation. Let it raise up in a unity. You can stay standing. Musicians, you can come. I'm going to finish while you're standing. It just makes you feel better. Satan knows the power of unity. And he knows what hindering one person can do. That's why he fights so hard in your life leading up to meetings. Fights you hard on Wednesdays. Wednesdays be your worst work day ever. Sundays, why is it? Why, I'm going to talk for him. Why am I so tired on Sunday mornings? Church ain't to 11. I'd be like, is the sun up? Well, it's like it's 8.30. Sundays, I'm tireder than any other day. Why? Because you're lazy. No. No. I caught that thought. No. Because he's fighting. Because he's fighting. Brother Branham says, I'm going to skip ahead and let you read this. Here it is. I didn't have to skip ahead. There it was. Do you know where there's disunity? The spirit of God is not welcome. Lord, have I been guilty of creating disunity? Lord, I don't want to hinder. Lord, I want to be in unity. He says this. And I'll let this be the last one. There's more, but I'm going to let this be the last one. Let it settle in. He says, but however, they must be in a spiritual attitude. For God worships where there is unity in spirit. God will come to us this morning and he'll spare the life of this little darling girl. And the many of you here who are perhaps dying with cancer, with other diseases, if we can only get in spiritual unity with his word and with him, God will reveal himself. He always does. Think about the weight of that. God will heal this person, heal all these people, if. Wow. We can get into a spiritual unity with his word. He will come and reveal himself. He always does. Prophet of God said that we're to be the final voice to the final age. Which means it's not going to be the final voices. There's going to be a unity. It's going to be one voice. What is your voice crying out? I say let's lend our voices to the resurrection. Let's lend our voice that he's a living God. Let's lend our voice that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's lend our voice that he's the Lord God that heals all our diseases.
Let's lend our voice that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. Let's lend our voice to unity. Let's lend our voice to harmony and not lend our voice to the accuser of the brethren. Because I believe that through the word we've seen that in unity there's power. In unity God moves. So whatever I have, Lord, me, whatever I have that would hinder unity, whatever feelings I have, Lord, I want to lay those aside. I don't want to have a personal agenda. Listen, we're not in unity if Evening Light Tabernacle is spreading our own agenda. We're not in unity with the rest of the bride body. What is our agenda? To lift up the name of Jesus. To lift up that there's been a message in this last day. And that message broke through the darkness and tore through the darkness and it found seeds of life. And now we have a purpose we can unite under. Lord, let that light keep shining. Lord, let that light go out and find more seeds. Let that light go out and get my children. Let that light go out and get my family. Let that light go out and germatize more and germatize more and germatize more. And let me be in unity until that light strikes the last seed. And then that morning, in unity, we'll take a body change. In unity, we'll be gathered together. In unity, we'll praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through all eternity. I say, let's be in unity now so that we can be united then. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the word that's so plain and so clear. Lord, we ask that you'll take anything out of our life that would hinder the Lord your move, that would hinder you dealing with lives, dealing with hearts, healing the sick. Lord, anything in our life that would hinder, Lord, let our life speak of unity. Let our life speak of brotherly love. Let our life speak of mercy and grace. For all those around us, let us lay aside our personal feelings. And Lord, let us be united with you, Lord, in a perfect harmony and perfect unity. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful church, this wonderful congregation, and the unity that you've allowed us to have here. But Lord, may we be guarded. Lord, may we endeavor to keep that unity in the hearts and lives, Lord, of the men and women of Evening Light Tabernacle. We love you and we thank you and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You'll be my strength. You'll be 